Ladies and gentlemen, there's very little that has not already been said about last year's global economic earthquake and the resulting financial and social uh, tsunami. The evidence of loss has been abundant. Take employment, for example. Canadian full-time employment has fallen by 395,000 jobs since this time last year. The number is even greater when part-time employment is taken into account. And with strong connections to sagging U.S. markets and an economy that depends heavily on the manufacturing and financial service sectors, it's not surprising that Ontario has fallen on tough times. A great many of those job losses were right here in Ontario. As a resident of Windsor and a well-traveled public servant, our guest speaker has undoubtedly witnessed firsthand the very tangible effects of the downturn. Some say things are looking up. When the Canadian unemployment rate fell last month, it was the first time in a year that more jobs were created than lost. Many credit the uh, federal and provincial stimulus efforts of the last year. We've also been told that the proposed changes to harmonize the PST and GST in Ontario will help cut the cost of doing business. It's hard to deny that our government has stepped up to the plate. Of course, Minister Duncan knows it will be impossible to hit an economic home run without reining in the largest deficit in our province's history. However, there is much debate about when and how to address the deficit. Mr. Duncan's economic statement this week will likely add fire, but hopefully also some clarity to that debate. In the 15 years since he was first elected to the provincial legislature, the Honourable Dwight Duncan has held some of the province's toughest jobs, including Minister of Energy, Chair of Cabinet, Chair of Management Board, and Government House Leader. He's been at the centre of many of the most important public policy and investment decisions this province has faced. I'm almost certain the current deficit question will make his career top ten list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podium the Honourable Dwight Duncan, Ontario's Minister of Finance. Thank you, uh, Nick, for that kind introduction, and uh, good afternoon to everybody here. Uh, yeah, that certainly would be near the top of the top ten list. There's no question about that. And as Nick said, in the last uh, year, the world has seen an unprecedented global economic downturn that has had a significant impact on almost every nation in the world. A complete collapse of the U.S. and world banking systems was narrowly avoided. We saw former auto powerhouses General Motors and Chrysler restructure through bankruptcy without investments of almost $80 billion from the United States, Canada, and Ontario. These two major employers would have gone under. Great Britain, all of Europe, and of course the U.S. were forced to confront very serious impacts on their economies. Canada, Ontario, and our sister provinces were not immune. Governments all over the world were urged by the International Monetary Fund and the OECD 
to put together major economic stimulus packages to help avoid a still deeper recession. As almost every jurisdiction is now facing higher debt and deficits, that is our reality. It's the reality faced around the world. In Ontario, we're facing very serious challenges, and I'm confident that we will rise to the occasion. Being up front during a crisis is critically important. One of the most important roles for any finance minister is to inform people about the state of the government's finances. As Thomas Jefferson once said, whenever the people are well informed, they can be trusted with their own government. Later this week, I will be presenting our recent economic outlook for Ontario and an updated review of our fiscal position. Today, I'd like to talk to you about what we are facing as a government and as a province and how we're dealing with the impact of the global economic downturn. In the past year, the recession has had a significant impact on the global economy on a scale that was frankly unforeseen by anyone. Many jurisdictions are facing sharp declines in revenue and increasing expenses as people turn to governments for more support. The significant deterioration in the global economy and the tightening of credit undermined both business and consumer confidence. Ontario is not immune to these broader forces. Jobs have been lost, businesses have closed, and government revenues have declined. Despite all of this, we're beginning to see signs that the economy is turning around. Financial markets are seeing some improved results. Consumer confidence and spending are up, and we are seeing better results in the housing market. The International Monetary Fund last week raised its projection for global economic growth next year to 3.1% from an earlier estimate of 2.5%. While the statistics offer some hope, they don't mean much when you don't have a job. We're not out of the woods yet, and before we see a full return to strong growth, there's much hard work to be done. Risks to recovery remain. We are very dependent in Ontario on a U.S. recovery. The speed of their bounce back will have a big impact on Ontario businesses and consumers. We remain vulnerable to risks like a high Canadian dollar, high oil prices, and rapidly rising interest rates. Just this morning, the Governor of the Bank of Canada talked about the impact of the higher dollar on our efforts at recovery. Remember, it's only been two months since we've seen these positive signs of economic growth. We need much longer than that before we can state definitively that the recession is done. We could be very well in for a long, slow grind before we achieve true economic recovery. We also know that growth in jobs and government revenue will lag growth in the economy. We need to make sure that the recovery has established a beachhead before flying the victory flag. Ontario, like so many other jurisdictions, experienced an enormous downturn in government revenues, particularly in the last year. Canada, Alberta, British Columbia, the United States, Great Britain, among many others, have faced similar circumstances. We have all had to deal with the impact of the global financial situation and the global recession. The International Monetary Fund said in July that 
debt ratios in advanced G20 countries are projected to widen by about 40 percentage points of GDP by 2014, an increase not seen since the Second World War. Our own federal government, and this is not a criticism, sorry, Alf, has posted a significant deficit, one that they had not foreseen just a year ago. Several Canadian provinces are now forecasting a deficit where less than a year ago they were enjoying surpluses. The U.S. is facing a deficit, and I still have trouble getting my mind around this, of $1.5 trillion, over 10% of the largest, econ- 10% of the largest economy in the world's GDP. Some economists say that the U.S. is going to need to put forward a second major stimulus package, rendering their deficit still higher. In Ontario, as we reported in public accounts, corporate tax revenues fell in half last year, 48.1% decline, more than $6 billion. At the same time, During a recessionary period, the demand for government services rose. For instance, more people qualify for social assistance, and more people need skills training. During a downturn, people uh, rely much more heavily on public services. Other jurisdictions face these challenges just as we do. Though in Ontario, this year we had the added impact of the auto sector. The auto industry in Ontario employs hundreds of thousands of people directly and indirectly. Ontario builds more cars than any other state or province in North America. Because of this, the McGuinty government took a necessary necessary step. We invested $4 billion to keep people working all over Ontario and maintain our leadership in the sector not just in the manufacturing end of the business, but in auto parts, in auto dealers, and auto repair shops right across Ontario. We chose to save thousands of jobs, to save entire communities from financial failure, and to lend shape to a much leaner and much more competitive sector. Those were the right investments at the right time. We put our dollars where the IMF recommended, where the OEC advised, and at the levels they both suggested. More importantly, we put our dollars in line with the needs of the people of Ontario. Ontario was hit earlier and harder by the global economic downturn than other parts of Canada. We are also more influenced by events in the U.S. economy due to the size of our trade and proximity to their markets. A lot of people forget that our export-oriented manufacturing and forestry sectors were dealing with the high value of the dollar and high prices for oil when some other provinces were still enjoying record commodity royalties. Ontario's economy has experienced a significant impact from this recession. I'll be talking more about the economy in my fall statement later this week. The result of all of of this is that Ontario, like most other jurisdictions, has a larger deficit than we would like. This year's deficit will be consistent with the size of the Ontario economy relative to the Canadian economy. It will not be out of line with comparable jurisdictions. 
In the budget to be presented next spring, we will outline our plan to return to balanced budgets and sustain the vital public services that are an integral part of our economic competitiveness. Ontario, like most jurisdictions, won't turn it around in a year. Based on current forecasts, it'll be 2011 before our economy gets back to where it was at the beginning of 2008. Governments around the world and in Canada must confront the reality that there are no miracle fixes or instant solutions to the fiscal challenges that have been brought about by the current economic situation. To put this in perspective, our GDP now is the size that it was in 2005. Our government revenues are also back at 2005 levels. From this position, even with moderate GDP growth, it will take some time before we can declare victory over the fiscal challenge. For Ontario, for Canada, for many other provinces, and for most other G20 nations, that will mean several years of budget deficits. The challenge of sustaining public services while returning to a fir firmer fiscal footing is one that we cannot ignore. This is a challenge that all Ontarians must confront together. Our government, working with all Ontarians, is ready to meet the challenge. To be able to con continue investing in key priorities while managing down the deficit, we must focus our priorities and make strategic and, yes, sometimes difficult decisions. In the coming months, the government will undertake a review of service delivery so that every dollar is spent more effectively. I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about what we've been doing to help mitigate the impact of the downturn on Ontario families and how we've been positioning Ontario for long-term growth. Ontario, like most jurisdictions, has invested in a stimulus package focused on job creation and retention, infrastructure and skills training. It was the right thing to do at the time of the budget and it remains the right thing to do today. For decades, infrastructure in North America and in Europe has failed to keep up with growing populations and community needs. The evidence of the value of investing in infrastructure is clear. It creates short-term jobs and an immediate boost to local economies. But it's, more, it's much more than bridges and roads, as important as they are. It's about schools, colleges, universities. It's about hospitals. It's about long-term care facilities. It's about water. It's about electricity. And, of course, it is about roads, too. If you drive down the QEW or up the 404, you'll see those dollars at work today. In the long term, infrastructure investments help position the province for sustained economic growth. I had the opportunity to hear noted economist Paul Krugman when he was in Waterloo just a few weeks ago. He makes the point, and I quite agree with him on this, that stimulus is also about the broader public sector. When people are working, whether they're working in hospitals, in colleges, universities, when people are running cities and transport system, they're paying mortgages, they're buying groceries, and generally keeping the economy rolling. Now would be the worst time to cut back in the public service. You know, in most communities around Ontario, the public and broader public services are the largest employers in those communities. 
To get out of the current crisis, we need business spending and we need people spending. As an elected representative, I know there's more to it than that. A recession can have long-term impacts on people's lives. Family members lose their jobs and livelihoods. Seniors worry about the adequacy of their retirement income. That's why our government has spent and continues to spend money on education, on poverty reduction strategies, and on skills training. We took the best advice of the world's leading economists and pursued the right course of action. To position Ontario for growth once this recession is over, we introduced a comprehensive tax package, including the harmonized sales tax, along with a series of tax cuts. While moving to a single value-added sales tax is new to many, Ontario would be joining more than 130 countries around the world and four of our sister provinces. The HST would permanently and significantly reduce taxes for large and small enterprises across the province. At the same time, Ontarians would receive permanent personal tax relief. Fully 93% of Ontarians would see a reduction in personal income tax. We also proposed permanent sales tax and property tax cuts for low- and middle-income taxpayers. These tax cuts will enhance the progressiveness of Ontario's tax system. Economists from Hugh McKenzie to Jack Mintz have highlighted the benefits of this initiative. Like governments around the world, we were ready to confront the challenge of this recession. The investments we've made are the right ones in the context of the unstable global economy. And like governments around the world, we had to keep people working. We had to make sure that Ontario's auto sector stayed alive and is poised to grow. And like governments around the world, we had to invest to create jobs. We had to invest to help communities, and we had to invest to improve vital public services. What's important here is that we took immediate action to help Ontario manage through the downturn. And like governments around the world, as we emerge from this recession, we will have to contend with a larger deficit and the sustainability of our public services. This will be a challenge every bit as, the rece- every bit as much as the recession itself. The McGuinty government doesn't shrink from challenges. As John Kenneth Galbraith once said, all of the great leaders have had one characteristic in common. It was the willingness to confront unequivocally the major anxiety of their people in their time. Our first six years in office were focused on rebuilding public services. We invested in our schools, in our health care system, in our colleges and universities, and in the environment. Now, with economic recovery in sight, we need to shift our focus to sustaining those public services. The challenge of sustaining public services will be just the beginning, will be just beginning, excuse me, as the recovery takes hold. We need to stay ahead by continuing to grow our economy and ensuring that we sustain the public services that are so important to our international competitiveness. As we come out of this recession, and we will come out, we will have to address the deficit and debt. Working with all Ontarians, our government will bring leadership, determination, and a balanced and principled approach to doing just that. 
we will be sharply focused on our priorities, health care and education, including full-day early learning for four- and five-year-olds. And as we make the tough choices ahead, Ontarians can be assured that decisions will be informed by our values of fairness, targeting those who need it most, and investing in the future. We will work harder still to give Ontarians greater value for their tax dollars. Ontario will grow and prosper in the post-recession world. We have a well-educated, highly skilled workforce. We have a first-rate health care system, and these are key economic advantages. Just this summer, Toyota announced an expansion of its plant in Cambridge, Ontario. When asked why they chose Cambridge, the answer was the quality of Ontario's workforce. We also have the strong presence of growing 21st century industries here in Ontario. Industries like financial services, information technology, the creative and entertainment clusters, to name just a few. And even though we've been going through a downturn, they've continued to increase employment. Our Green Energy Act now puts us in a leadership position in building a green economy. Ontario has great fortitude, both as a people and as a province. We've seen challenging times before, and we will again. But Ontario, in the end, always thrives and always moves forward. When we are through this, and we will get through this, Ontario will be bigger, Ontario will be better, and Ontario will be stronger. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I would now like to call Alf Apps, President of the Empire Club of Canada, to the podium. Mr. President-elect, Mr. Minister, it is not altogether insignificant to note that our Minister of Finance comes from the city of Windsor, It's a border city. We've had all the problems that border cities have had in this global recession. It's a manufacturing city that's been particularly hard hit by the challenges facing that sector. And it's a city which has its perhaps unfair share of joblessness. I say it's not altogether insignificant because I am comforted that the man who holds the purse strings of this province depends for his political livelihood on people who are hurting. It tells me that there is a level of compassion and awareness in addressing the problems you've faced that serves Ontario well. Secondly, I'm struck by the pragmatism of the remarks today. No hiding from the deficit. No hiding from the need to be looking around the next corner about where we get. No hiding from the importance of focusing on ridding ourselves of the ill of compound interest and keeping a steady hand on the tiller. And finally, 
I want to note the courage of a minister of finance who led the way with a fundamental tax shift away from investment and savings to consumption in the middle of difficult times, perhaps one of the most forward-looking initiatives that has been taken by our political leadership in recent years. So in summary, Mr. Minister, I want to thank you for foreshadowing your false statement today. But more importantly, I want to thank you for your compassion, your pragmatism, your courage, all, it seems to me, reasons why we can be comfortable that our Premier has put our public finances in this province in good hands. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alf, and thank you again, Minister Duncan. Before we eat, I would like to mention a few upcoming events at the Canadian and Empire Clubs. On October 26th, Thomas Donahue, President and CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, will discuss the significance of the Canada-U.S. relationship, economic recovery efforts in the United States, the fight against rising protectionism and isolationism, including Buy American Rules in the U.S. Stimulus Package, and a major new chamber initiative to defend, protect, and advance the free enterprise system. On November 2nd, Rick Waugh, President and CEO of Scotiabank, will discuss the impact of the financial crisis, lessons learned, and actions taken by the international financial community. And on November 12th, the Canadian Club of Toronto and the Empire Club of Canada will once again join forces and welcome General uh, Rick Hillier to discuss his newly released memoirs and Canada's top security issues. To order tickets to these or any other Canadian Club events, please visit our website at www.canadianclub.org. Minister Duncan will have to leave us shortly to attend to a media commitment, so Minister, thanks once again uh, for joining us today. And thanks again to TELUS for supporting this event. This concludes our telev uh, television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. This meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>